Hi everyone, welcome back to It's the Daily Grind podcast. This week we have one of the ultimate Zags, Jack Crow. He played baseball at Gonzaga for four years and he's also married to Sophie, who was previously on the podcast as well. He works with Extra Mile Institute as one of the founders and really has made such a huge impact um, on my time there as well as student athletes at Gonzaga presently. I'm super excited for you guys to hear this message. If you're feeling down in the dumps, he will definitely lift your spirits. So enjoy this episode and make sure to follow us on Instagram. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here. I'm super excited too. Let's just jump right in. Question of the pod. What season of life are you in right now? I'm in the confidence building season of my life right now. What does that look like? What are you building confidence in? Give me a little more. So started a job last May. So it's been a year now in an industry or field that I did not go to school for. Uh, it's more in the sports psychology world, and um, I had a, a lot of imposter syndrome this past probably 10 months, um, and then a couple months ago, I really started to get into the groove of believing that I belong here. Uh, did a lot of training, educating myself, being educated by others in this field, and now I'm really starting to feel confident in what I do and uh, realizing that I am an expert in the field just because I'm doing it. And uh, not a lot of people are doing it to this capacity uh, in the model that we're doing, what we're doing. So starting to feel really good and really confident about where I'm at in my life with my job. Mm-hmm. And what did it take you to get to that place of confidence besides just reassuring yourself? Did you lean on people to validate you? Did you see experiences and like change in the clients you're working with or what got you there? I think a little bit of both. Someone asked me two months ago, do you have imposter syndrome um, in your job? And I said, absolutely, yes. And they're like, why? You guys are the only company in the country right now that's doing what you're doing at this level and this scale. And so that makes you an expert. I'm not an expert by any means but in sports psychology, but I'm an expert in what I do every single day. Um, so it was just having the self-awareness to say that and someone to push me to be like, no, you're more than that. And seeing results in the work that we're doing here at Gonzaga and now articulating it um, to other companies, other schools, having practice and getting reps in talking about what we do, uh, that's uh, really been a confidence booster for me. Mm -hmm. And you guys definitely know your shit. (laughs) I mean, that's for sure. Yeah. But I was reading somewhere the other day, like this idea that we all need to be professionals Like we don't, we need to give ourselves permission not to be professionals Mm -hmm. and in a way be amateurs. And it's not like you guys are amateurs at your job, but it probably feels like at one point you were an amateur. And like for me doing this podcast, I feel like a complete amateur. Mm -hmm. And I think society really puts you down. Like, well, if you're not a professional, then you shouldn't even try. Yeah. But actually having the confidence to say I'm an amateur now, but if I just keep doing it, I will be a professional. I think can change your life and like change what risks you take because starting this company and doing it was a huge risk. Mm -hmm. And 
you and Soph, shout out Soph, your wife, um, both took this risk together. So it's not like one of you has this stable kind of consistent, comfortable place. You guys are both diving like head on into something completely unknown and completely different, but completely life-changing for athletes. So what was the reason or the motivator to just be like, eh, screw it, let's just go for it and see? Because most people don't have that Mm -hmm. kind of just, I'm going to jump and see where I land. Absolutely. First, it took an amazing human being to believe in us to want to start up this company, the funding behind it. Um, Just it takes incredible people to do incredible things. And that's what we have at EMI um, with our funding. And for me, my calling was I had the best four-year experience that you could have as a student athlete at Gonzaga. And I didn't play a lot. I played probably 90% of the games I played in within the last three weeks of my career. Um, Just got hot at the right time, waited for my turn, was always trying to be a good teammate and be the energizer bunny on the bench. That kept me on the team kept me on the travel roster, and then finally I got a shot, and I started playing a lot. Um, so I had an amazing experience, but when I graduated, I had a huge identity crisis and loss of identity because I could always say it was my dream since I was four years old to play baseball at Gonzaga. I think that's what made it easy to not play a lot is because I was living my dream. But by age 22, when I graduated, my dream was over because that was my entire life and my entire dream and wants to do and I completed it so now graduated sitting in a desk job three months after my baseball career ended I had this thought like wow like who am I now I have no identity outside of being a baseball player Um, so when I heard that this job could not only allow me to elevate the experience of other student athletes but help them with that transition out of sport I was all in so that's what really drew me to to being here yeah it's almost like you found that it doesn't really matter the risk the reward is mm-hmm. so good mm-hmm. and even if I try and fail then that's okay I mean we were just talking about Brene Brown before we started recording yeah. and her entire book Dare Great Daring Greatly is about that quote like it's not the critics who count it's the one who's in the arena and though they fail they know what it feels like to fail having tried and giving it their all. Mm -hmm. And if they succeed, then they know the height of success. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really what you guys are doing is you're in the arena. Sink or swim, it doesn't matter because the fact that you're just in the arena trying is like what counts. Mm -hmm. And the fact is you guys are all so badass that it will make a difference and already has, um, which is amazing. But kind of going back to baseball, maybe this isn't your hardest season, but tell us what the hardest season of your life has been thus far. I would definitely say that that year after sport was my hardest because, like I said, I could always say that I was living my dream, Gonzaga baseball player. So when that was taken away, that year, it literally took a year from when I graduated, so May 12th, 2020, and it was during COVID, so that didn't make it easier. But Because I had a fifth year to play, um, and I foregoed that to take a job making $48,000 a year, which I thought was all the money in the world. And I, I knew I'd have a bigger role playing, but I wasn't going to get any scholarship money. I was a walk-on all four years and paying my way through college. So I was like, I really can't afford to spend another year not making money. So I thought a job that paid money would bring me happiness. But the second my first paycheck hit my bank account, I was severely upset. And 
uh, I realized like I just gave up a full year of grinding with my boys and playing the sport I love and living my dream for another year. That that's what I sacrificed for three thousand dollars to hit my bank account once a month, and it was like this was not worth it. So I think that full year until the following May uh, was the toughest season of my life. Um, did you want to know sports wise as well what the toughest season was? If you want to share. Okay. Um, that's a. I think my sophomore year was a tough one for me because freshman year. Every freshman shows up, they're all excited, and if you get to travel, it's great, and if you get to um, play at all, it's awesome. I played a little bit freshman year. Sophomore year, um, we had a senior at shortstop the year before, so he graduated, so I expected to be the starting shortstop. I was naive. I just thought that's how it worked. It's like first string leave, second string, sweet, you're going to be the starter. But we had two transfers come in, um, and they were better than me, and so they were getting the first team reps in. I remember... I had one practice where I was not authentically myself by, by being authentic. I was always the energizer bunny. I was always the best practice guy. Always had a good attitude, cheering on my teammates, diving for ground balls. But I had one practice my sophomore year where I wasn't getting any reps, and I was a horrible teammate. Like, just totally to myself, wasn't giving any energy. I was taking energy from the environment. And my coaches called me into the locker room after that and said, what, what the hell is wrong with you? And I was like, what do you mean? And they were like, you are not Jack Crowell today, so what's wrong with you? And I said, well, I think it's, I think it's bullshit that I'm not playing. And they're like, I don't know where you got that idea. It's like, you're not, no one's entitled to a position just because you've been here longer. And that's not you, who you were today. And that has always stuck with me. And that was the last time I've ever tried to not bring my best energy to any environment I'm in because it it sh- it shook me a little bit that okay the second I let up someone's gonna know that something's wrong um, and that I'm not being authentic to myself and I'm not bringing my best attribute which was bringing energy and I mean that's the reason I made the team because uh, I was a walk-on tryout guy that's the reason I stayed on the team I mean I was traveling as a red shirt for multiple years because that they knew that me being on the bench on on the road just bringing energy was better than bringing in a guy who who might play but wouldn't bring as much energy and might not be starting or getting at bats um so i think it was a tough season for me but it was also a really enlightening moment in my life and i'll never forget that conversation Mm -hmm. and i want to come back to the baseball but going back to like you're sitting at your desk and you're like, I cannot believe this. Meanwhile, is this when Sov's playing on tour? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Sov's pursuing her dream, doing her sport, mm-hmm. and I could see where that dynamic is probably like, of course, you're happy for her, but totally. here I am. Mm-hmm. I could have been doing the exact same thing congruently. Mm-hmm. So how did you get through that time? Did you, looking back, maybe what are the things you would have changed? What are the things you did really well? Did you see the light at the end of the tunnel? Like, Talk me through that experience mm-hmm. and how you got through it. I think first going off Soph, uh, there was definitely no jealousy that she was playing and I wasn't. She was a lot better at her sport than I was mine. I mean, All-American, number one in the country. She's a lot better than, like, everyone yeah, at seriously. this sport. So, and I was her biggest fan. And yes. I was always like, okay, yeah, I would watch her matches during work. It mm-hmm. probably didn't help my performance at work at that <laughs> job. Um, but for me, it was... Um, yeah, it was just a tough time because I knew I could be playing, and I wasn't. And I also 
knew that I would have had a bigger role to play that year. Probably would have been starting a little bit more, would have been in bigger games. But what I wouldn't change that I didn't go back looking back now because the path I took is the reason why I'm here today. And even though I did go back to grad school the following year, um, the job opportunities that I took, that, that first job I took, I was working at um, a race company. I was selling sponsorships and I wasn't good at it. And I'll admit that to my former boss now, but I just wasn't good at that job. I was good at bringing energy, good at helping, doing other things, but I just wasn't fulfilled. So that's why it was hard for me to be really good at that job. But that job got me my next job while I was in grad school, selling sponsorships for Spokane Sports and um, being really authentic about what I was selling because every dollar I brought in got pumped back into the community in some mm. way, shape, or form. And then that job got me to this job now. And if I would have gone back to play baseball, even though it was a horrible year of an identity crisis and figuring out who I am, um, I probably wouldn't be where I am today. So I'm really looking back now and reflecting on it just in this moment. I'm very thankful I did that because what I do now has been the most fulfilling endeavor I've ever uh, experienced in my entire life. Mm -hmm. So would you say like when you were in that time, you just were thinking, I need to put my head down and just get through it and something else will come about change or when you're sitting there like what was that thought process like how did mm -hmm. you get through it and maintain like your character and maintain your values of bringing energy and mm -hmm. and trying your best yeah that's a good question i think so i'll go back in time a little bit more my freshman year when i stepped on campus here as a walk-on and i realized and just throughout my freshman year, I was treated, so a guy who played the least amount on the team, I was treated the same way by teammates, coaches, staff, teachers, everyone, treated the same way as our starting Friday night pitcher was, or starting shortstop, starting three-hole hitter and, and center fielder. And I had a personal mission to give back my experience one day to future student-athletes. Um, and that's been a really good guiding light in my life but my first couple years of working I was like I figured okay the only way I can do that is to be AD of Gonzaga one day so every step I make every major like every time I change my major it's going to be so I can be the AD one day every minor I add to my schedule that's going to be so I can I can do that every that first job I take okay I'm going to get experience in marketing and sales uh, that'll help me one day when I'm the AD um, so that year I'm I was already so I started my job pretty happy for a couple months um, and then didn't enjoy it to the fullest. So I was okay, what's my next step? So I'm only nine months into my job or maybe it was even six months into my job and I'm thinking, what can I do next? Instead of fully being there, um, I was looking at applying to grad school and getting a job in Spokane just so I could get back to Spokane and be around and show face. So maybe one day I could be working at Gonzaga. And so I was not fully present at all in that job, which I believe is the real reason I wasn't happy because I wasn't fully putting my authentic self into my work. I was just thinking, okay, how can I get out of here as fast as I can? And I regret that a lot now, um, even though good things have come from that. But I, again, I didn't give my full self, so they didn't reap the full benefits of Jack Crowell being there. Um, and then my next uh, grad school comes around, and then at that time, uh, I think it's February of 2021. I'm working four jobs and going to grad school. Uber Eats driver, 
still working for my old company, doing a different role, uh, Gonzaga baseball grad assistant and an internship at Spokane Sports, um, all of which I'm just trying to make money first to pay rent and live, pay for my dog food because we just got a dog. Um, but two, it's like, hey, which one of these is going to get me to the next step? And then I get a full-time job with Spokane Sports, still going to grad school, and enjoyed it a little bit more because, like I said, what I was selling, I was authentic about selling, but still having the mindset, what next job will get me one step closer to being AD? Um, and then I got this job. In my, like, so we work with Gonzaga, so I'm like, okay, I'm one step closer here. This is great. Like, I'm FaceTime around around Gonzaga. People are going to see my skills one day. And this is, being AD, That that's not... That's 20, 30 years down the road. Yeah, Chris, he's coming for you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So it's like, it's not even, I don't know why I was thinking that because that's so far away and I was so focused on a dream and a goal that's decades away that I wasn't being present in any of the jobs. But when I took this job and what we're doing is teaching athletes to be present, we had to go through that own training ourselves or that same training ourselves and same reflection and it really made me let go of that dream, or at least the immediate want to get to the next step so I could be AD one day. And I found that I've been so much happier and so inspired and motivated to go to work every single day uh, because I am fully present in what I do. So what are the hands-on skills, if you will, of staying present? Mm-hmm. How do you become more present? I mean, there's one thing to be present if you're anxious about the future. Mm -hmm. And then there's one thing to be present if you're just so focused on like something really good in the future. Either way, though, it's distracting you from the present. So Mm -hmm. how do you actually stay present? One thing I do is, um, and this is something I did when I was really struggling playing baseball. I'll go back a little bit again because I like to tell a story. Uh, playing summer ball, because that's what every collegiate baseball player does. You get shipped off to Timbuktu, and you play another 50-game season, and you get two weeks of summer. Um, I'm hitting horribly. I'm coming off a redshirt year. Two mo- or a month into the season, I'm hitting like 200, which isn't good for a college baseball player in summer league. And I call my mom up and I say, hey, mom, like I'm not good enough to play college baseball. And she's like, why do you say that? I'm like, well, I can't hit. I just suck. Like things, things in life are going bad right now. So I just, I don't even know if I'm going to play next fall. She's like, Jack, do me one thing. Before every game, I want you to write down three things that you're thankful for. Write them down in a book, text yourself, do whatever, but show gratitude to all of the really good things that are going on in your life every single day. I was like, all right, what, what the heck's that going to do? And I did that before every game. Realized that my poor performance hitting in baseball is not the end of the world. I have so many things that I'm thankful for. And now, and I ended up hitting 300 that summer, so I just went on a tear the last month. And I kept that actually with me throughout the next two years of my career. Um, So now I tell athletes, like, to be fully present, you have to stop and just show gratitude to all the good things that are going on in your life. So I'll tell athletes nowadays, like, you're not going well? Write down three things you're grateful for before every practice, before every match, before or maybe after a shitty test or a shitty practice or whatever whatever inconvenience comes your way, take a second, pause, look up, like look, put your phone down because phones are the worst thing ever, <laughs> and just write down three things you're grateful for. Mm-hmm. And some kids have told me that's really helped them, um, and I'm excited to hear that because it helped me so much through a tough time, not only baseball-wise but life-wise, 
Uh, so I'm glad to, happy to pass that along. Yeah, there was a quote I was reading the other day, and it said, stress is focusing on the future. I'm butchering this, so mm -hmm. it's a paraphrase, but stress is when you focus on the future and the only life you have is here right now in the present. Mm -hmm. So stress in this case becomes more important than life itself. Mm -hmm. And that really blew my mind. Wow. Like, wow. Never heard that. I know. And it was crazy to think, oh my gosh, I'm putting more of an emphasis on the stress that is imaginary mm -hmm. than life itself because life is really only found in the present. And once I kind of grappled with that realization, life is only here and now. The past already happened and the future is simply imagination. Mm -hmm. Am I going to give stress the power to literally be more important than life itself? Mm -hmm. I mean, nothing is more important than that exactly. in the present. So that has really helped me stay present is just realizing and thinking about that quote. And I'll link who said that quote in the notes because mm -hmm. they need... That's an amazing quote. They deserve the credit. It was like some Eckhart Tolle maybe. Yeah. Some, right? Yeah. So um, definitely not just like an Instagram quote is a real thing. But you said since you were four, you had this dream of playing baseball at Gonzaga. When you didn't receive a scholarship and when you were a walk-on, was that idea of success altered? I lived my dream the day that Danny Evans called me. It was April 29th. It was two days before you had to decide for financial aid on May 1st. or two, Yeah, two days before. And I, I actually, because he passed away last year in his one year, uh, from when he passed, just uh, it, it actually just passed as well. So I was going through all my old emails and texts of Danny and just our interactions. And I found an email from April 29th, 2015. And it was me thanking him for uh, just giving me the call and giving me a chance to come play. Um, he was the most amazing human being in the world to me. Um, but I remember, so I went back in that email thread and I I emailed him. I was like, "Hey, like I I want to be a Zag. I like because they didn't recruit me. I recruited them. I was like, "Hey, I'm coming to Gonzaga. I've I've got offers, quote unquote, because you can't get scholarship money to play D3. But I could go to Linfield, who's a top 15 program in D3. I could go try to walk on to this school. I could go to PLU. But all I want to do is go to Gonzaga. Like I, if I don't have a spot on your team, I will do the laundry for the team." At the time, I thought I wanted to be a sports writer, so I'm like, I'll write articles about the team. I just want you to know I'm coming here. Because at that time, they didn't have a roster spot. Um, but April 29th rolled around, and they had a kid say he was going to transfer the end of the year. So he called me up and said, hey, just want you to know you're going to be a Zag. Like, I want you to know that a spot came open, and instead of us going to get a scholarship guy, like, we want you because we've seen your leadership you bugged the hell out of me over email and coming to every single camp and calling me. And I see that you can be a great Zag one day and I want you here. So being a walk-on was my, I loved it and I embraced it. Sure, scholarship would have been nice because student debt suck, or student loans suck. Um, but it was, I wore that patch with pride and mm -hmm. I have so much respect for walk-ons. I have respect for any student athlete, whether you try out for the team and you make it for a week whether you're a four-year starter, walk-on scholarship, but it takes a takes a lot to not receive money for four years and still give the same amount of commitment that uh, guys on full ride scholarships or even quarter scholarships give. So I, it didn't deter me, um, but that that was just my experience. 
And that's so true. It does take a lot to go out there and even with money, no money, right? But mm-hmm. even playing, not playing, um, it doesn't matter if you're maybe all on scholarship, but someone is going out there and you're putting in just as, wor- as much work and mm-hmm. you don't get the same time on the field. So what I've heard from everyone that has ever mentioned your name is he is the ultimate zag mm-hmm. and he is the ultimate teammate. Mm-hmm. And I think that's such high praise being on a team because I know those people that I've been on a team with that have been that to me and wow they make such a difference in the day-to-day in the success of your team and everyone can see that so where did that come from your just intrinsic nature to be the energizer bunny to give back to your team to not resent the people that got to play not resent the people who got full rides and are slacking off meanwhile you're busting your butt trying to just be on the travel squad like on the team yeah like (laughs) i know what that feels like yeah and it's hard sometimes not to have resentment or not to give up and just be like why am i putting in all this energy when i feel maybe like i'm not getting a lot in return Mm -hmm. so what kept you going or what is it about you or what happened to you so to speak that makes you like that yeah well first of all i'm going to give the title to ultimate zag to danny evans Mm because he lived and breathed and he gave everything for not only this the baseball program but for the school this community everyone in college baseball knew him as just an absolute stud mm. and I, I love that man I always will I always love his family um, so he's the ultimate Zach but I'll, I'll take second place on that uh, that'd be sweet <laughs> uh, and I was I, I'm reflecting on where it came from because my mom always told me I was a grumpy kid so I don't think I always brought energy but I remember I knew that my greatest attribute as a freshman here was my energy because I was 140 pounds soaking wet when I showed up, not athletic. I could field the ball really well, but I wasn't strong enough, wasn't fast enough, couldn't jump high enough to be a D1 baseball player, but I was on the team to bring energy. And when I found out, it was actually, so our first weekend, series, the first game I was ever a part of, we played at GCU. And I found out I was on the traveling roster. I was like, oh, this is sweet. I'm going. And I look at the I look at the roster, and you've got your starters. Obviously, I wasn't on there, but I was in the reserves because you write out your lineup for baseball. And there was a star next to my name. And I remember asking Danny, I was like, what's the star mean, Coach? I'm just naive. And I'm like, am I special? Old. I was like, does that mean I'm going in, like, first? He's like, no, it means you're redshirting. And I was like, what? He's <laughs> like, yeah, your only job is to bring energy. And that stuck with me. It's funny how... All of my stories revolve around Danny, but that's just how much of an impact he had on my life. But he's like, no, it means you're redshirting. Like, you're going to be our practice guy. You're going to push the starters to get better, and you're going to sit your ass on the bench, and you're going to freak out for your teammates. And I was like, yeah, I can do that. So I always embodied that, except that one practice that I brought up to you where I wasn't myself. And that's why it was so easy for them to pick out, okay, something's wrong with him. Let's make sure he's okay as a human first, but... If he's just pouting, like, let's nip that in the butt because your best attribute is bringing energy to this team and pushing the starters to get ready to help us win ball games. And I think that's such an important role within all sports teams is you need guys and girls to bring the energy. Mm -hmm. Only, so for baseball, only nine guys play. That means you have 26 guys on the bench. And if they're quiet, those nine guys are going to have a hard time to bring in their own energy because they're so focused on this pitch, getting this batter out, this at that, or if you have 26 guys bringing the energy and freaking out, that can shift the momentum 
of a game like that. Mm-hmm. And in practice, if if you're a starter and you see this 140-pound freshman who's diving everywhere, making plays, bringing energy, and he's making you look bad, you're going to lose your spot. And that was my job, not to take someone's spot. Uh, looking back, I could have tried harder to like actually like grind like all the time, be in the hitting facility four hours a day, but that wasn't me. The, my, I knew my role was I'm going to try to make these starters work for their spot. Mm-hmm. If I get my number called, I'll be ready. But I know my role, and I know they're better than me, and our best chance to succeed as a team is if they're playing. So I'm going to make it really hard for them to make me look bad. Mm-hmm. So that was my role, was being a practice player and bringing that energy. Um, and I really try to embrace that into any environment I go to now. Well, that's amazing because what it requires is complete selflessness. And I think that that's something you have to work for mm-hmm. and you have to train yourself. Maybe some people are innately selfless, but sometimes it's just a choice. Mm-hmm. And whether it's on a sports team or in a job or within a family, like to just say, I'm doing this for others around me. Sports is a great illustration because you can clearly see it. You can mm-hmm. clearly see the people on the bench are giving energy for the people on the field. But maybe it's not so evident in a workspace or wherever your environment is. So how do you foster that selflessness? Is that something you're just like born with? Is there a pivotal moment where you're like, hang on, it's not all about me. Mm-hmm. I'm not that important. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing something for the greater good. And in this case, the greater good was Danny. The greater good was Zag's baseball. The greater good was just sport, Mm -hmm. period. So now that you're out of sport, and of course you have this company, but in your own personal life, how do you embody that selflessness? And how can you encourage others that are feeling like, why should I be selfless? Like, I'm not playing. I'm not getting the promotion. Why Mm -hmm. should I actually encourage my teammates, whatever teammate looks like in Mm -hmm. their lives? Yeah, so I went to a Catholic high school, and part of our mission was turn it was turn these students into servant leaders one day. And Gonzaga, we, they also talked about that a little bit my freshman year. I really tried to embody what it meant to be a servant leader. I was still a leader on my team by senior year. I think a lot of guys saw me as a captain. We didn't have captains, but they looked to me for guidance. Even though I wasn't playing, I was going to make sure we were doing things the right way that everyone was going to give everything for this team and not individuals. Um, but I was doing that through serving and not by demanding. And I think if if you can go into any environment saying, hey, I'm going to I'm gonna be a leader, but I'm also going to lead by example and I'm going to support the people around me, then that environment is going to be such a better place than me saying, hey, I got this. I'm the guy. I don't need your help. I'm just going to do everything myself. Mm-hmm. And also, I, I truly believe that you can either have a negative impact every single day in any environment, or you can have a positive. There is no neutral. In my mind, neutral is negative because you're not pouring everything and all of your energy into an environment. So if you're not doing anything, in my eyes, you're sucking, you're taking away good energy. Mm-hmm. So therefore, you're getting bad energy. So I try to just bring positive energy wherever I go, because I know that from experience, I know that if someone looks me in the eye and smiles and says hi to me, that makes my day better immediately. Mm-hmm. So that's why I always, whoever I see, whether I know them or not, like I'll give them a nod, I'll look them in the eye, I'll give them a smile, hold the door open for someone. Just do things like that to elevate other people in hopes that everyone in the world, that trickles to everyone, mm-hmm. and everyone's just being a positive light. Because it's really, it's easier to be negative in life than it is to be positive. Mm-hmm. It's easier for our brains to say, hey, 
let's just go to this dark place over here and let's hang out by ourselves and not yeah. bring any energy. Mm-hmm. And let's feel bad for ourselves because it's super easy to be like, yeah, it, it, screw them. They're the reason why I feel like that. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a ton of people today just want to like want to embody that because it is easier. Mm-hmm. It's not easy for when shit hits the fan for you to still be a positive light in the world but yep. it makes a bigger impact not only on yourself but others mm-hmm. and if you can give energy to people when you're going shitty you're going to receive that back and you're going to be thinking about other people instead of your own problems which yeah. immediately gets you to stop thinking about your own problems right it's like you embody the philosophy of like giving back whatever that looks like whether that's <clears throat> to gonzaga kind of in a small not a small example, but a small example, mm-hmm. or to the world, like mm-hmm. just giving back. You've been given so much, whatever that looks like, and seems like you kind of live day to day by giving back. So I guess I'd ask you, is that how you navigate the daily grind? Like when you're in a shitty situation mm-hmm. or, you know, of course you're starting this new company, which I'm sure has come with a lot of ups and downs and highs and lows, but at some point maybe it'll not always feel like you're on top of the world and Mm -hmm. this is amazing and we're making such an impact. And on the days that you don't feel like that or on the days when you just have to keep doing the same old mundane tasks, is that how you embody the daily grind or what tools does Jack need to get through the daily grind? Yeah, I think it's important that every person has a personal why, not just a why in your sports career, your athletic career, but like, why do you do what you do? And what impact do you want to make on this world? I, I believe we're all here to make an impact on others in this world. And we can choose to be negative or we can choose to be positive. So my why, I don't know where it came from, but a couple months ago I realized it. And it's still being fine-tuned, but I think it's good for now. But it's to leave, pe- after an interaction with me, I want people to leave happier than they were before I saw them. And if that's my why every single day, then every interaction, I'm going to be bringing that energy and I'm going to look you in the eye and ask you how you're doing and say hi to you and show you that I see you. Um, And I think that it just, it's authentic to me to be a positive light just because that's why I wake up in the morning and that's how I want to handle all my interactions throughout the day. Yeah, it's so interesting that you say that to see, to show you that I see you because Mm -hmm. I think in society with social media and everything too, Everyone's trying to be seen. Everyone wants to go viral. Everyone wants the most likes on their post. Like Mm -hmm. everyone has this desire for some reason to be seen. But all those outlets, you're not seen authentically. And I think very few people allow themselves to be vulnerable enough to be seen. Talk to me about your experience with vulnerability. I'll just go go back to my experience in high school and then in college. So in high school... I think I was always this person, but it wasn't cool to be like the cheerleader and like the hype guy. I also didn't play football at my high school, and that was a big thing. So immediately you're, <laughs> you're taking down a peg in the social status. Mm-hmm. And like I, I had a group of best friends, uh, but I still didn't feel like because they were also the funniest guys in the high school. I think I'm a pretty funny guy, but like I'm like eighth in this group of eight guys, so I never really got to fully be myself. Um, and I didn't want to be vulnerable and put myself out there in case just in case they didn't laugh because they're all way funnier than me. But when I got to college, um, I just said, screw it. I'm going to be who I really am. And the people who like me, sweet. Like, we're going to be boys. The people who don't like me, I don't really care because it's a fairly bigger campus than my high school. So I'm just going to fully be vulnerable, be myself. And it really worked out for me. And I realized that in life, it's 
for kids watching this and listening, it's not cool to act cool in high school. It's cool to fully be yourself, mm-hmm. and that'll attract the people who are really meant to be in your life. And, yeah. the, and the people who think that being authentic and being a positive light is lame, well, they're going to have a tough time adapting to the real world. Yeah. So I think that's where I get it. One of my favorite things to embody or favorite things to think about is true freedom comes when you allow people to misunderstand you mm. and not try to control the narrative of what people think about you when you just fully are yourself and people misunderstand that mm-hmm. misunderstand your intentions your words your actions there's just freedom in like letting that go like mm-hmm. it's okay that people misunderstand you because the people who know you or want to get to know you or want to pursue you they'll figure out why they're misunderstanding mm-hmm. like they'll come to you and figure it out the people that choose to just stay in a place of misunderstanding aren't the people worth your time. They're not willing to go out of their Mm -hmm. way and figure it out or talk through it or whatever that looks like. So you don't need to control the narrative every single second of every day Yeah. because it's not in your control. You can just do what you do and be who you are and follow that why. And if people don't want to get on board, then like, that's fine. I'll add on to that. Uh, Like, don't worry about what other people think of you because they're not thinking those things. They're also worrying about what people think of them. So it's just like, be yourself, and that's going to encourage other people to be themselves too. And you're going to continue to be a positive light and a positive energy and a you can say servant leader as well in this world, but just being who you are. That's just going to show other people like, damn, like that guy's happy, that girl's happy. I wonder what they're doing. Oh, they're just being themselves. Why don't I try that out? And mm-hmm. it's just a trickle effect, and it yeah, can help a lot of people, I feel. Uh, but... I will say you do have to fill your own cup up before you can give everything to others. Yeah. Because if you don't, it's kind of like you have to love yourself before you love others as well. Like you can't always depend on other people to love you before you've like, okay, I'm fully okay with who I am and I don't really care what if you love me or not because I love myself. But if you're here along with the ride, then this is this is great because now we're now we're rolling together, you know. So how do you get there? How do you love yourself? How do you fill up your own cup? Because I think that's something that I've really struggled with, especially mm-hmm. in the past. When I go to like any workout class, mm-hmm. they always are like, which is so contrary to like my college athletic workouts, but any workout class that I'm paying money for, they're like, "This is your time. It's your body. Just take what you need." And that concept is so foreign to me. Yeah. Like, I don't understand that. I don't understand filling up my needs first. I'm just the type of person that's like, no, I'm going to do every single pose and I'm going to do every single yeah. stretch and I'm going to feel the burn and I'm going to hate it. And I'm going to help my team win one day. Yeah. Like, yeah exactly. And I don't know how to take what I need. So how do you do that? How do you love yourself and fill yourself up? I think it's finding the things in life that bring you happiness and really tapping into those and putting them into your daily habits. So like lifting for me, like I, if I lift in the morning, I'm automatically having a great day. And if I can write my three things down or just express gratitude in some way, that's going to fill up my cup. Um, talking with friends, obviously I have a wife and a dog at home and I get to spend quality time with them. And that's amazing. That fills me up and like bringing the good people in your circle before you help other people that you don't want to help, but just like having a good core group around you, like that's what that's what fills me up. So I, I don't know, just uh, finding those points of happiness and allowing yourself to be happy with what whatever it is and whatever you're doing them. Talk to me about the importance of like people finding those people and how do you find those people? I mean, 
you're the energizer bunny and you work in a company that hires people like that, that hires good athletes, mm-hmm. that hires the type of people that you're like. But what if you're someone who's like, I'm in an environment and no one is like me and I'm out here being the the energizer bunny and giving to people and no one's giving back to me or whatever that looks like, you're mm-hmm. just lonely and maybe you felt that sort of loneliness on your team, like there wasn't really anyone like you. So how do you find those people? It's a good question. I think uh, I think if there were four of me in my company, we wouldn't get much done. We'd just all be <laughs> patting each other on the back and saying, good job, good job, but not doing anything. So I think you need to have, I think it's okay to be lonely in that. I think that it's such a good skill to have, and but it's also a really good skill to have someone on your team who's not like that and more critical and be like, hey, like, I love your optimism, Jack, but like, we need to fix this, this, and this. And then you're the good energizer, good energizer bunny's like, yeah, yeah, good point. So you need to have diverse groups um, and different personalities that and people that have different behaviors to really make a good team. I don't think that it's just like any sports team. You can't have, if I'm a basketball team, you can't have five centers. You can't have five point guards. You're not going to win. You have to have a point guard, shooting guard two forwards and a center like that's the recipe for winning a basketball game same with same thing with baseball if we had nine pitchers on the field I like hey I love my pitchers out there but we wouldn't be good at hitting and we wouldn't be good at fielding um so having those diverse groups is good and if you are someone who whether you are the more critical person or whether you are like me who you like to be the energizer bunny who might not always get everything done but you're going to be a good teammate see value in the role you have accept your role like truly accept who you are and bring your full authentic self to the environment and you're going to be seen as a valuable piece of that team. Mm-hmm. I think that's so true for like friends too. You don't have to have friends that are just like you, that believe what you believe in, that do what you do. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of friends in my life that I take different parts of them. Mm-hmm. Like different parts of them fill me up and other parts don't. And so I don't necessarily focus on that. So what is the best piece of advice you've given or the piece of advice you want to leave with the listeners today as we conclude the podcast? Like, you could just share one thing to the world. The world's not listening, but the world that is listening. One day. What would you say? That's a good question. I don't want to just say something I've already said, but um, I think you'll find the most happiness in life when you're truly authentic to yourself. And... I think social media and all today, like society today makes it really hard for us to be truly vulnerable, like you brought up, and to be authentic, and like you want to be seen, but find ways that you want to be seen that's authentic to yourself. Um, I was not that until about a year ago, and wasn't happy with my work life up until a year ago, and I really tried to embody that and embrace that, and now I'm inspired to go to work every single day got a good work-life balance and I'm just overall happier. So Mm -hmm. be authentic and be yourself. Yeah. And stay true to your values and stay Mm -hmm. true to your passions. And I think those will bring the right people in your life. Mm -hmm. Those will put you right in the exact environment you need to thrive in. Mm -hmm. And overall, you can better deal with the daily grind Mm -hmm. if you can be authentic to yourself and what you want. So thanks so much for joining me. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. This was awesome. Yep. Okay, go follow us on Instagram at It's the Daily Grind Podcast.